I fought a good fight. I finished my football race. And after 18 years, it's time. Basketball players, we're really supposed to shut up and dribble, but I'm glad, I'm glad we do a little bit more than that. Eventually, every ball would go flat. But that doesn't mean that your life will flatline. What will you do when the game is over? Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to episode 48 of Bro Bible's Endless Hustle. I, of course, am Matt Cohan, and I am joined, as always, by my main man, Artie Cade. We have two incredible guests today. They are both TV legends who are making names for themselves as hosts. One is the young breakout star of Netflix hit TV show Stranger Things, as well as the host of the great show Prank Encounters. The second is the GOAT. G-O-A-T of MTV's The Challenge series, and now is host of the popular NBC's First Look and newest series, Celebrity Sleepover. Artie, give him the rundown. Gaten, kid's killing it. Killing it. I love it when you're like 18 years old and you're more famous than like A-list actors. You got to love it. But Gaten Matarazzo, everybody loves this kid. He's He's just become one of the breakout stars of Stranger Things, which is obviously one of the biggest shows on television. He's got great personality. He's got curly hair. And now they gave him a prank show, which is back for season two called Prank Encounters. Looks like he's having the time of his life hosting this thing. We talked to him all about that, obviously. Talked to him about Stranger Things fame. Talked to him about what it's like having summer jobs down the shore. For those who don't know what down the shore means, because you're not either from New Jersey, Philadelphia, or potentially New York, that means the beach. He takes a summer job still. He's a kid. And he talks about what it's like being famous and having a summer job. And then, of course, the iconic hair. Gaten's hair has become a property all its own. We talked to him about what it's like with the hair. I just love this kid. So genuine, so likable, bright future ahead. I think people are going to love this. And then, of course, Johnny Bananas. The guy's got as many rings as Tom Brady. The challenge, he's the king. Everyone knows him for that. And now he's transitioned into hosting. He's becoming a very popular host. Obviously, First Look is a very popular franchise on NBC. And they love Johnny so much, they're letting him do slumber parties with celebrities and celebrity sleepover. Two fantastic interviews, but we're going to start with, of course, Gaten Matarazzo. So, Matt, here it is, Gaten Matarazzo. Great day on Endless Hustle today. You may know him as Dustin from Stranger Things and now the host of the new Netflix prank show, Prank Encounters, Mr. Gaten Matarazzo. Thank you for joining us, Gaten. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, guys. No worries, man. I was watching the trailer for Prank Encounters and was absolutely blown away by the production value. It's like a yeah. film oh, quality. Man. I mean, everything uh, from makeup to the staging. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Can you talk us through why this particular project sang to you? What was really exciting about it going into it initially is how excited the team was about it, is how excited Kevin was and how excited our writers were because they worked on hidden camera prank shows before and their full intention with this from the beginning was let's do the craziest thing we've ever tried to do in our entire lives. They wanted extreme budget. They wanted intricate pranks, crazy special effects they wanted to prank two people at once this was the biggest thing that they wanted to to get there and they're like and we just want somebody who brings energy and somebody who brings light to to host the thing and uh couldn't really say no to it like there wasn't really any reason for me to say no to it there was an experience i had never can't really compare to anything i've done before and so uh it was just something i thought i could try something new that i 
didn't really know what I was getting into. And uh, now that we made a second season, I'm pretty proud of it. It's pretty, pretty fun. So how does it all begin from a prank perspective? Walk me through the process of start mm-hmm. to finish. Well, initially, the first thing you do is you try and get as many people as possible to uh, sign up for uh, their temp work for the day. To get as many marks as possible, as well as to get a lot of standby marks as well. To get a lot of people who you might have extra people in case some pranks don't go uh, like you'd like them to, which happens quite a bit. One prank, I think we did four times until we were able to get it, until we were able to get it right. And it's not like you can use those same people all those four times. So we had four different pairs of people for each of those pranks, and they all went very differently. That's the first thing is getting as, as many people as possible there ready to, to do that day's work. And then from there, you can kind of worry about what that day to day is going to look like. So we already have all these pranks written and stuff. And going in the morning, you have to, you have to become familiar with your surroundings, very familiar with uh, where everything is going to be, where your crew is going to be set up. For example, one of the uh, prank locations that we have is this gorgeous, beautiful mansion in Georgia. All the filming for that prank happens only in one little section of the house and all the crew and this this isn't just our our, the people who are filming the show this is uh, our stunt coordinators this is hair and makeup this is wardrobe this is even catering and stuff food for for our people on set and this is all set up in different locations around the house and so of course you have to make sure that you know where the limits to the set are and where the limits to uh where behind the scenes are going to be. And you got to make sure that your marks aren't going to be walking into parts of the house in which they could just see a whole group of people sitting there with camera equipment. You could be like, what are you doing here? So that's always very hard. And our rehearsals, you go into it and it's, it's very hard to predict what's going to be happening when you go into a prank, but you go in and then you, you break down what the major steps are going to be and, and what uh, special effects cues there are going to be. You need to make sure that you have those perfectly timed out and ready to make sure that, while everything is going running smoothly, you want to make sure that everybody's safe as well. So it's quite the process, especially for a, a moment that's probably like a three-minute reveal. You, you spend a whole day working up to just that one moment. And so it's kind of stressful, but it pays off. Wow. I mean, you're executive producing and starring in Prank Encounters at just yeah. 18 years young. I mean, Clooney didn't even break out until his mid-30s. <laughs> is, it, is it difficult at all for you to smell the roses when it seems like everything is just happening so fast for you, at least from the outside? I think the best way to counteract that is to just emphasize the importance of, of home. And that's where I've been for a while. And I think, uh, of course, throughout all the the pain that and and tragedy that's struck the world in the past year i think one of the best things we can do is is appreciate uh how much we've all been able to be home and i think uh that's what's helped me out is just understand your roots understand why you're doing what you're doing understand what you're passionate about and uh just stay true to yourself that's that's the most important thing because i see so many people that go into this industry a very odd industry a lot of times a very malicious industry and they lose themselves and they lose the reason why they even started doing this in the first place. So many incredible talented people go into this, into this work because they want to, to learn, they want to create, and they want to become a part of something that's quite stunning. And they end up losing that and, and stay in it for self gain. And it's upsetting to say the least, but I mean, the only people I have to thank for, the situation I'm in is my family for keeping me the way I am. 
Speaking of home, I'm from Philly originally. So I yeah. spent summers in Margate and Avalon. Oh, good. And I saw that you took a summer job in Ocean City. On Long Beach Island. In LBI. So yeah. when you were at LBI, obviously you now have Stranger Things fame. What's yeah. it like doing a summer job and people know who you are? So that was really fun. Most of the people at the restaurant I've already known. These are people that uh, live close by to me. And if they don't live close by to me, I've gone to school with them. I've done local theater with them. And I've gotten to know them just from other friend groups around town. And I spend a lot of time on Long Beach Island. It's very close to home. And uh, over the summer, why would you not want to be on the beach? I, I guess I just did it because most of my friends were there. Both of my siblings were working there at the same time. And I was I just realized I was kind of sitting on the couch for the majority of the summer. And it wasn't really fun. So, uh I just thought, why not? And I'm glad I did. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I got to do fun little disguises. So people didn't see me when I was working there. So that was cool. Uh, and eventually, eventually it got out, which I'm fine with. Uh, and it never really became too much of an issue where I didn't enjoy the work there. So it was a fun experience. And I think I'd like to, I'd like to go back this summer. I might pick a different restaurant because I think it's known now where, where I chose to work. So I might pick uh pick another location that people might need to scout out but yeah that's what i was going to ask you did you see a bigger influx of people showing up could you notice certain eyes moving towards you when you were there oh for sure it was all it was already a pretty busy restaurant it's already it, it already it's one of the big spots there on the island that people go to quite often it's a great place but uh i always thought it was really fun i got to look around what i do is i still had my long hair is actually quite longer than it is now and I'd, uh, I'd have one of the sleeve masks that you can pull over your whole head. I'd take all my hair and I'd tuck it into a baseball cap and I'd take that sleeve mask and put it on top of the cap. So the only thing that you could see was my eyes. And <laughs> still, even though the only thing people could see were my eyes, people still recognize me. They're like, that's him. I see him. Mm -hmm. Wow. I don't they get it. just looking at you because you look like a creep. Yeah, <laughs> I look terrifying. I look like I look like awful. Like just that guy. Yeah, that might have been it. Damn. <laughs> yeah, Gayton. Uh, about six yeah. months ago, David Harbor said season four of Stranger Things is his favorite. What is your sense on that? Oh, uh, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that from a, definitely a work standpoint. I've had a lot of fun working on this mm. season. I think probably because it's the first season where I'm no longer a minor. And so I don't have, uh, there's no child labor laws protecting me anymore. So there's no limit to the work hours that you can have in a day, which is stressful, but it's fun. And I actually say, uh, what we say is that uh, you no longer have a pumpkin. And the reason they say that is, is a reference to Cinderella. Uh, at, at midnight, at a certain time, the carriage turns back into a pumpkin. And so they're like, when are the kids turning into pumpkins? Uh, that's what we say. And so I no longer have a pumpkin time the days feel like they're going faster, honestly, because I think it has to do with now I'm not sitting waiting for a specific time. Like, you know, you get to work at a certain time and you know, you're going to be leaving legally at that. At, for us, uh, when I was 17, it was, I think, 10 and a half, 11 hour limit. And so if I get there, at, if I get there at 8 a.m., I know I'm going to be out of there by 8 p.m. I was always checking my watch. I was always, always looking down like, is it that time yet? But now that I could just be there as long as they want me to be there, I'm not checking the time. And so I guess it just goes by a little faster for me. Even though I'm working, like on average, a workday takes like 15 hours. I want to actually ask you about your hair. 
once Please. upon a time, I used to have gorgeous curly hair like you too. <laughs> Trust me, enjoy every moment. With oh it. man, it happens to all of us. It goes on. One day, if a director came to you and said, "Gaten, we got to shave it off for a roll," I'll do it. Oh, I'd love to do that. I want an excuse to do it because what's great about Dustin is that they keep the hair, which is awesome, and they always tell me they're like, "If you cut it when you're gone, we will kill you. We will." We will wig you, and it will be the grossest, ugliest wig on planet Earth, and I promise you that. Oh, my gosh. They're so keen on that. And a couple of – I'm not going to name names because I don't know if this person's embarrassed about it or not, but uh, one of our cast members on Stranger Things refuses to not cut their hair. Like, they get told. They're like, don't cut it. Do not cut the hair. And then they show up with cut hair, and they're like, well, now you get the grossest wig on planet Earth. And I think that they specifically keep this person's hair the way it is because they don't stop. They, because they, they're like, we're punishing, they're punishing them because they cut the hair and now we're giving them a gross wig and they have to deal with it. I think it's hilarious. That's an 18-year-old talking right there. Cut my hair. <laughs> I used to talk like that too. Then you start losing. You're like, don't touch my freaking yeah. hair. <laughs> oh, I know I'm going to do it. 10 years from now, I'll be like, no, 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 no. It's a beautiful head of hair you got there. Thank you. No, thank you, thank you. I mean, I get a good one, too. Nobody's commented on mine, but yeah, we'll do that. How long do you usually grow it out? Uh, this is, is, I just got a haircut, but, you know, it's, it doesn't have any density. It just kind of poops up. Um, I gotcha. You know? That's the one difference. Me and my brother have similar hair, but his is actually a lot curlier than mine, mm. a lot tighter than mine. And so what the way his grows out, it just grows out and long and poofy. And right now he's grown it down so long to the point where he's just got like surfer curls and he's got like facial hair. He's younger than me, Wow! but he, he, he looks about like 24. So <laughs> good for him. Yeah, I know. Good for him. It's incredible to see how grounded you are. What's it like navigating fame with the rest of the guys, the kids on the show? Mm -hmm. You guys have become worldwide celebrities. What's it like navigating it together? When we're all together, I think, the biggest thing I think what I like to do is just remind ourselves to not take ourselves so seriously. That's what we have to do is just realize that like, we're all in this together. We all started this together because we love to create and we love what we do. And I love to see how these opportunities have opened up so many doors for these kids who I've grown up with. And I love seeing how these opportunities have helped them express themselves so much. And it really is inspiring. Like I see, and the thing about about Finn is he'll always have a camera with him or he'll have a guitar with him. And he'll always just be talking to Matt Ross about what the shot's going to be. I don't even know all the lingo. He knows all the, all the camera lingo. And so to see him use his platform uh, as a way to allow other opportunities to create outside of just acting, not just Finn, but Millie as well, Caleb, all of them. They, they do such an incredible job and me getting to sit back and watch them do that is really inspiring for me. And it lets me know that I see these guys doing what they're doing and I can do it as well. And I think we all look at each other and feel that same thing. But when it comes to fame and when it comes to the limelight, I think we've all taken it very differently. I think we all have, because we all experience practically the same exact situation. It's the same show. We all got famous at the same time and we all, experience that quite differently of course we've changed because of it but i think us hanging in there together has prevented it has prevented it from getting to our heads in a sense i think we can anytime we go back on set together 
we'll hang out and we'll look around and it feels exactly the same as it did before the show even came out. And it's, it really is wonderful. Great. Okay. And one of the big purposes on this podcast of talking to successful people like you is to find out how you continue to elevate. And we're just curious, how do you continue to elevate in your career, both on and off the screen and just not get complacent? The fear that the, what you've already done will be the last thing you do. That's kind of dark. <laughs> it's kind of like like the darker parts like my anxieties showing up and showing themselves in what I do but a lot of times especially I think the pandemic did this for sure is uh you hang back and there's not as many opportunities right now and there's not a lot of offers coming in there's not a lot, not a lot of auditions coming in and uh I'm like what if stranger things and even if this were the case this is literally the worst case scenario right now is that I don't do a single thing after Stranger Things, if that's the case, I think I've done pretty okay. And I have to remind myself to that. And that's that's what keeps me going. Even if I don't quote unquote accomplish anything else after this, I've already done so much for myself to be proud of. And so it's that kind of takes the pressure off of it and lets me realize that as long as I just continue to do what I do because I love it, I have nothing to prove. I have nothing to prove to anybody. I've already proven that I can do this and so now all I have to do is just enjoy it, is enjoy it, enjoy these new opportunities, how they presented themselves and, and just enjoy the work that's coming in. Don't do anything that I don't feel like I want to do. And that's, that's an opportunity that not many get, even actors, all actors, is because I've been given an opportunity to like Stranger Things, I can look at projects coming in and not need to rely on those for my career. And, and if I don't like them, I don't have to do them. I can think of college and I can look at college and I can say, if I don't necessarily have a passionate thing I want to educate myself in, I don't necessarily need to do that right now to sustain a career. And these opportunities have shown me how lucky I am. And it just show me how I can use this and use these opportunities, not just to benefit myself anymore. I can use them to benefit others. And it's, it's quite incredible. Still trying to wrap my head around it for sure still trying to get the feel for it all. And uh, right now I'm just waiting for some consistency in work. I'm just waiting for uh, some new projects to come along that I can really sink my teeth into. Very insightful, young man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, Gaten Mazarazzo, that is Prank Encounters 2 comes out April 1st. That's April Fool's Day. On yes, Netflix. it is. And I am pumped <laughs> for it, as should you be. So thank you for joining us. You were awesome. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Congrats really on season it. two, Gate. And you're, thank you're you a good man. Congrats. I appreciate everything. All right, folks, that was Gaten Matarazzo. If you didn't like this kid before, there's no way not to love him now. You know, Matt, when you talk to these kids, you never know what you're going to get because they're young. You don't know if they're media trained. You don't know how composed they are. Listen, you and I can be intimidating to talk to, but I love this kid, man. Gave us everything. Was funny. We talked about everything. Gaten's going to be the king. We're going to be bowing down one day to this kid. And by the way, Prank Encounters is on Netflix now, so go watch it. I mean, if I was as grounded and humble as that kid at 18 years old, I certainly wouldn't be here, you know, talking with you, Artie. No offense. I love you, buddy. But, I mean, that kid has as bright a future as he'd like, it seems. I mean, he's already producing prank encounters before he's legally able to drink a Bud Light, which is incredible. So, 
I mean, props to that kid for really expanding his uh, portfolio outside of, oh, just the most popular TV show in Netflix history. So yeah, I hate to break it to you, Matt, when you got the Netflix money coming in, you're not drinking Bud Light. Okay. <laughs> you, uh, you're buying Bud. You're buying like the corporation. <laughs> you're an, yeah, you're an investor. You're a majority investor in Bud. Right. You're investing in the Silicon Valley competition of Bud Light. No. Congrats, Gaten. Sweet kid. Bright future ahead. And everybody go watch Prank Encounters. Our next guest, Matt, the king of MTV. We've now said it probably five times because he is Johnny Bananas. I mean, this guy, everyone just loves Bananas. He is the guy you love to hate. He's leveraged his MTV fame and his success on the challenge into a successful hosting gig. He's become the face of NBC's First Look, their institution show that airs after SNL. He's taken that show and upped it to another level because he's doing just such cool stuff in every episode. And then he went in and said, hey, let's do some slumber parties with some celebrities. And NBC's like, you know what, Bananas? I like that idea. And here he is, Johnny Bananas, the host of Celebrity Sleepover. You got to love the Bananas trek to the top. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. What I really found interesting here is that, you know, he's obviously doing this celebrity sleepover now. And, you know, we all know Johnny Bananas. He's basically done for the challenge what Miz does for the WWE. He's that guy. He's that, like, character that keeps you coming back. But the transition that I think me and you especially can relate to is in this kind of interview sense, you have to listen to what they say and then you know, follow these doors of curiosity on. And he said that was a a really big transition for him because he's a talker, self-admittedly. And just hearing him kind of dissect the challenges that come with that different genre of television was pretty uh, fascinating for me. Yeah, it is fascinating because you go from being the person who is the star to the person who is talking to the star. And with Johnny... I've known Johnny, and you guys are going to hear this in the interview. I've known Johnny a very long time. We've had countless interviews. We've become very friendly over the years because of that. The thing with Johnny is he's really matured from over-the-top, scene-stealing reality star to a guy who really wants to take the next step in his career and is now having success in, in understanding what that path is. And as he approaches middle age like moi, you really start assessing what's the next steps of my life? And I think Johnny's at that point where he's deciding, what do I want to really become as a brand? Who do I really want to be? And I think that comes across in this interview, but also being able to reflect on the success of the past. And we talked to him about Matt, you know, partying at Penn State, his entrance and how he got cast on the challenge. And the thing that's funny is, So many A-list celebrities are fans of that series. I mean, Johnny, like Bill Simmons is obsessed with him. He tells us a story about Michael Strahan that had you and I in absolute tears. And he's always on Fallon because Fallon loves the show. So here's a guy who's at the incredible intersection of reality TV and entertainment and popularity. And through this interview, you guys really get a sense of what that means in terms of past, present, and future for someone in his position. I think he's got a good grasp of where he wants to go next. So here you are, folks, MTV GOAT and celebrity sleepover host, Johnny Bananas.
This is a highly joyous day here on The Endless Hustle as we invite on the GOAT of the MTV Challenge and host of the new late night series, Celebrity Sleepover, airing on NBC April 3rd, Mr. Jonathan Bananas. How are you, Johnny? I mean, listen, man, it couldn't, couldn't be better. Um, it seems like uh, everything that's going on right now, things are starting to, uh, to loosen up, starting to get back to... Uh, you know, some semblance of normalcy. I mean, as you can see, I didn't just put on the uh, the, the COVID-15, but I put on like the COVID-15 inches of hair as well. I see that Arthur's letting the salad go too, man. I like it. But uh, but no, man, I'm, uh, I've been well. And um, it's, I- I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very thankful. I'm very happy to have been able to uh, essentially stay you know, working and stay busy uh, during during the last year during this pandemic. I know um, it's really affected uh, a lot of the, the you know, obviously, in addition to society, the entertainment industry as well. It's been very difficult to find ways to uh, to to adapt and to to um, continue shooting through all this. And uh, I'm lucky enough to be a part of, you know, a team that was able to to, to pivot from first look in the travel show that I host, um, kind of put our resources into uh, a talk show that um, originated uh, out of my living room. So it was born partially out of necessity, but also uh, this whole project um, has been, you know, something that's been in the works for a while. It's the brainchild of uh, a very collaborative effort by a lot of people on the team. And I think we've put together a a really incredible, unique product here. And I'm really excited for everyone to get a chance to see it. Bananas, walk me through the pitch. What do you do? You walk in and you're like, I'd love to do a pajama Clayton show with <laughs> Kelly Kapowski zooming in. Like, how does this all work? So when it came to the, the creative behind it, we were trying to do a few different things during COVID. We did, we did one episode for First Look, which was a pandemic um, essential workers episode. We did uh, two travel episodes, one on Catalina Island, one on Hudson, but we were very, very, very limited in scope and we were very limited to what we were able to do. I have always wanted to, I mean, hosting, I just, I just love to do it, man. Um, birds of a feather flock together there, Arthur. Uh, but, and I, and I've always loved the talk show format, the sit down talk show format. We originally started doing something called a box challenge where what we would do is we would send a box to a celebrity's house. We did one with the Miz. We did one with Nessa. And we didn't know it was in the box and it was kind of like a challenge or a competition. And we did it all via Zoom. And once we realized that we were able to essentially host a show uh, via Zoom, we're like, well, let's, you know, let's spice this thing up a little bit and um, let's turn it into a late night talk show and uh, we'll make it a pajama party, a slumber party. I think right now there's this really not is there not only is there a huge thirst for content, but I think there's a huge thirst for nostalgia as well. If you see a lot of the shows that are being rebooted and recreated, I mean, you mentioned Kelly Kapowski, Saved by the Bell uh, has, 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 has been brought back from the dead. So we wanted to capitalize on that, on, on the ability to, uh, to use the resources that we had. We were able to pivot and, um, you know, we were able to uh, kind of capitalize on some of that nostalgia. And then again, add our own little flair onto that with the sleepover theme, man. You know, it's, you got the pajama party going, you've got the fun games that we play. And uh, it's the only show on TV right now that is PJ rated. I feel like for, for 17 years, you've been kind of the guy on the challenge. You seem to have a good grasp on kind of the group dynamics and what makes people tick. Did you find it to be an adjustment to transition from kind of the star of the show to the facilitator with Celebrity uh, Sleepover? 
Very much so. Listen, I've, I've, like you said, I've been on reality television for 15 years and the reality television Johnny Bananas and the reality television persona is I had to do a complete 180, okay? Reality TV is all about being larger than life, the most colorful, largest personality in the room, absorbing all the oxygen, um, never letting anyone else get a word in edgewise. Who the hell needs to listen? Because all you need to do is talk. And that's why I've always just been a better talker than a listener. When I changed over to hosting first with First Look and now with Celebrity Sleepover, you need to go from being the center of attention um, and the star to basically playing second fiddle and allowing your guest to, to, to occupy that space. It was tough, man. I'd never realized how difficult listening was until I actually started having to do it. Generally, I, if I'd have a conversation with someone, they'd be talking and all I'd be thinking about is the next point that I'm going to make, not actually taking what the person is saying, digesting it, and then formulating a follow-up question to what they're saying. And it was a big pivot going from having to be interesting to interested. Um, and I'll tell you, man, after one of these shoots, with it, like it, it's exhausting, man. Listening is truly exhausting. And now I see why, you know, growing up, uh, my, you know, my teachers were, were so tired by the end of the day and my parents because having to listen to me all day is a, uh, it's a full-time job. Dude, I was thinking about this morning, what I wanted to talk to you about that I haven't touched on in the years we've known each other. And I realized there's one topic we've never talked about, partying at Penn State. Oh, How boy. much fun did you have at Penn State? I didn't know what I was in for. Okay. I, going to Penn state when I, when I, when I went there, it wasn't like I had a lot of people plan for years, like, Oh my God, here's my top five. If I don't get into this one, I'm going to this one, but whatever. I didn't even want to do it out of high school. I didn't even want to go to college. Okay. I just, uh, I just thought that college was going to be four more years of high school. I moved to New York when I was 17, my cousin Vince, who was actually on a few of the challenges, bloodlines and um, rivals three got a full ride scholarship to Penn state for football. I was going to Nassau Community College on Long Island. It was the first time I'm like, wait a minute. So college is like education can be secondary and it's basically a big social gathering and you get to party and hang out. I'm like, I'm in. So I, uh, on a whim, dude, just sending an application to Penn State. And I will tell you, man, like I'll, I'll never forget the first blue and white game I went to. Okay. Um, and going into Beaver Stadium on a whiteout against Ohio State, 109,000 people in the stands, another 40,000 people outside tailgating. And I'll never forget sitting in the student section and looking around and just seeing this mass of humanity and being like, I'm a part of this dude. And just that was the first experience that I'm like, holy shit, this is, this is awesome. Like to be a part of that, not just a fan, not just a guest, not just someone watching, but to be a part of that. I mean, with Penn State, dude, when it comes to just like, the history they had here. Paterno was still was still there. God rest his soul. You know, we were decent at football, but not great. But it was just like 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 everything, man. I mean, it, it was the first time I really got an opportunity to get out of the nest, so to say, out of my comfort zone. I had to live. It was funny because when I went to Penn State, the dorm, they they had they ran out of dormitory space, so they had to start converting the study lounges in the dorms into what they called supplemental housing. So I actually lived in a big room with seven other dudes. So when I remember when I sent in my audition tape to the real world from Penn state, one of the questions was, how would you feel about living in a house with seven strangers? I'm like, I'm doing that already. So it can't get any weirder than this. 
little did I know, man, 15 years later, here we are. But it all started at Penn State, man, in front of Old Main, the same building, which I may add, Barack Obama used as a backdrop when he visited Penn State for a big speech of his. And I said this on, uh, I believe, Fallon, and, and I'll say it again. I believe that Barack Obama was a Johnny Bananas fan on the challenge. He saw that backdrop that I used for my real world audition tape, and he's like, that's where I need to be. Have you been, have you been back with obviously the fame you have now? It's been a while. So I went back after my original season of the real world. And after a few years after that, to do a, a, a couple bar appearances at um, this place used to be called the crow bar. The, the, the feeling of that, of going back to a bar that I used to party at and hang out at, at as a college kid. And I'll never forget. This is another, another funny story. I remember after I sent in my audition to, to the real world, I was on the bus going to class and I picked up the, uh, the college newspaper and I'm reading it. And it says, this Friday night, join Chris Tamborillo, CT, from the real world Boston at the Crowbar. And I'll never forget looking at this paper and being like, how crazy would it be if I end up getting on the real world because I was in the application process. And then this is me in the paper a year from now. Fast forward a year, I was doing a bar appearance at that exact same bar that CT was doing it at, man. So it's just crazy, dude, just looking back and just how things you know, transpired in a way that I never would have imagined them. Back in your Penn State days, how fully formed was a Johnny Bananas character? Like, were you hitting your stride? Were you just a little less confident? Like, where were you in that problem? I, dude, I was fucking burning. I was burning the candle at both ends, man. I mean, that's the only way to describe it. I like to think that, dude, I, I changed a lot, man. Okay. I really have over the years, um, if, looking back at the 21, 22, 23, 24 year old Johnny Bananas. I mean, again, dude, I was, I was, I was young. I was adolescent. I was out of college, you know, right out fresh out of college. And it was almost like the things that you think are cool, like back in the day, back when you're that age, looking back, I'm just like, that's why I almost have to have a little bit of patience and sympathy for the, the, the younger guys that are coming on the challenge now, because even if they are like over the top and boisterous and like immature, I'm like, I can't, that was me, dude. Now, instead of being critical of these guys instead of hating on them, I should like mentor them like guys back that did that. I'll never forget the guys back in the day, Timmy, um, Mark Long, Alton, Landon, Darrell, like a lot of these guys that when I came on the scene were there and instead of like, you know, being critical and being like, you're an asshole, I want nothing to do with you. It's more like, listen, let me take you under my wing and show you the ropes. And, and that's never been, and you know, I've never forgotten that. And that's almost like, I kind of want to repay that favor, but I came in hot, man. I came in really hot. I'm actually surprised that they had me back on after my initial uh, showing on the challenge where I was eliminated first, but um, I've been so grateful and so thankful to be able to watch myself grow up on television. And I've been able to take the things I like about myself and keep them and crumple up the things I don't like about myself and throw them away. And I've, I'm so fortunate to have had MTV and the challenge uh, to help me grow and find out and find my voice and find who I am and then use the challenge and, and, and the platform that I had created as a springboard going on to the next chapter of my life. And that is, um, you know, hosting and, and right now Celebrity Sleepover. Bananas, it kills me how many celebrities love your show. It's so funny. Yeah. I'll bring up MTV the challenge somewhere and the most random person will be like oh my fucking god I love yeah. that show. I've watched every season yeah. who's been the craziest celebrity fan that you've either found out about or been reached out to by I, I will say the first 
celebrity interaction I had, which wasn't much of an interaction, was Michael Strahan. All right. This was after my first, I think my first challenge, first or second challenge off the real world when I was still like, you know, when the real world was like the show. And I, there was a club in New York called Butter. And I remember walking into Butter and he was still playing at this time. This is before he went on to like, you know, the big, you know, host of 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 uh morning live with kelly Kelly. dude like every i mean the guy is just like a rocket ship bro yeah he was still i mean he was still very well known he was on the on the giants he was still playing and i'll never forget i walk into butter and i see him at like a at like a or he's just walking in or he's at a table or whatever and i'm like yo mike let me get a picture with you and he turns around straight up and goes oh no johnny bananas i'm not getting caught dead in any picture with you but it was like just the fact that it was like Michael Strahan. I mean, it was, it was it was kind of a diss, but at the same time, just the fact that he knew me enough by name and knew me enough as like who I am, what character I was, and it's like, eh, hey, dude, I don't know, man. I I don't want those problems. Jonah Hill and Seth Rogen. I met them both at the VMAs years ago. They actually, believe it or not, sent for me. Okay, it was the after party. We were at a, we were at a club in uh, LA. Some guy comes up to me, goes, "Hey, man, I got a couple of friends that want to meet you," and I'm thinking, like, all right they're at my table and it's going to be like a couple like whatever fanboys, fangirls, whatever. I roll up and it's Jonah Hill and Seth Rogen just sitting there. And they're just like, bro, we love you. Like we, Jonah Hill's like, I just started watching the challenge. She goes, I had my assistant go back and get me like the past nine seasons of the show. And we've been watching, we've been watching them ever since. And it was like, it's, it's amazing, man. It really is amazing. I mean, this, this season, apparently Drake and, and Rihanna both uh, reached out to challenge cast are following them, tweeting about them. Like it really is wild to think that it's like, you know, us from our, you know, hum- humble little uh, reality MTV show, you know, the, the, the reach is, is incredible. There's also been some stars within, you know, the road rules, real world umbrella. The Miz, obviously, WWE, Theo Vaughn, obviously a successful comedian. Which person are you most impressed by their success? And is there someone who you think has a star quality but hasn't broken out for one reason or the other? So I, I often say this, the, the Miz is, really did create the perfect mold right? The perfect path um, from what I would love to one day emulate. And that is, again, he knew when he went on the real world, what he wanted, he knew what his, he wanted his future to be. I mean, he went on the real world with a plastic WWE belt, fast forward years later, and the guy's the WWE champion, right? And not only has he done that, I mean, he's an actor, he's, he's hosting, he's hosted multiple, uh, you know, um, different reunions and things um, related to the challenge. He's made it to the top of, of what he's wanted to do. And he managed to take, we were all given the exact same platform. It's just, there's only a few people who've been able to take that and do something incredible with it. And he was, um, and I feel like, you know, I've kind of taken the same blueprint that he put out there. And, and I'm really trying to emulate that as far as, as, um, star quality now it's just tough to say man they don't make them like they used to they don't make them like they used to there's never going to be another Miz there's never going to be another you know uh, as you said Theo Vaughn um I just feel like the characters and the, and the people back in the days they were just we're from a different generation man different era people were more comp I feel like a lot of the characters on reality television the vetting process was a lot more serious I was one of 200,000 applicants for the real world so you just gotta realize dude like the the only ones that make it to the top are the cream of the crop, dude. You know what I mean? Who have gone through multi, multiple levels of, of vetting and, and, and personality profiles and that sort of thing. Now it's like, 
oh yeah, cool. You're attractive and you're on a dating show, you're cast. You know what I mean? So I just think the casting process has been watered down a little bit. So it's a lot more difficult, I think, to get those real, those true diamonds in the rough, but who knows, man, you never know. We could all be shocked and surprised. Johnny, you mentioned CT. We had George St. Pierre on the podcast. He's the most accomplished MMA fighter. Oh, yeah. GSP. Love that guy. GSP. Looks great in bike shorts. <laughs> of course. But you were saying that, I mean, I would probably take GSP in the octagon over CT. That guy would give me nightmares growing up. Can you talk about what kind of guy he is kind of off the, off the air? Because on the air, he was just a full-blown psycho. I almost feel like with a lot of shows, it's like they typecast and they and they highlight certain aspects of people's personality, right? And CT was always like the they needed they they need that presence. It's like on the Avengers, dude. Like CT would be the Hulk, like this this guy that when you push him too far, he turns into a green rage monster. But what they don't show is the Hulk is also Bruce Banner. And what I and the, the most amazing thing about CT that most people don't know is just what kind of like a nerd the guy is dude loves video games okay like where's a retainer when he plays like i've been on it's funny i've been on uh xbox live with them and i'm like why can't why are you talking so weird i got my retainer in so i'm just picturing ct like you know at his xbox with his retainer like you know playing whatever what the hell is the game he'd always try to get me to play when we were in outer space i don't know but and he really is dude Brilliant, man. Another thing about CT, a lot of people don't give him credit for, the guy was a mechanical engineer, uh, you know, in college. And I know a lot of times what what gets highlighted is how freakishly, like, intimidating of a presence he is. But the guy's one of the smartest human beings I've ever met, dude. Just, I mean, the guy's like, I think if you guys IQ tested, he'd probably be like Mensa level. The way that he's able to like solve math equations and work stuff out and just like think through eliminations and do things that most people would never consider doing, you know, there's a lot more than than meets the eye. The guy, the guy's definitely an onion for sure. Since I've last seen you, you have officially become the goat. Seven mm-hmm. rings. Yeah, man. Did you reach out to Brady? Try to make a connection. Oh, yeah. Reach out. I actually filmed. Uh, so the night he won. I have a flamethrower that uh, my agent bought me from Elon Musk. It's one of the uh, the boring company ones. And to celebrate uh, Tom Brady's seventh victory, I actually shot off my fire at my flamethrower in the house full of guests. So uh, it made the New York Post. But that was my uh, that was my tribute. That was my homage to uh, Tom Brady joining the the, the 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 Seven Rings Club. He never responded, which is unfortunate. I guess his PR people probably told him like, "Hey, man, you probably don't want to be." you know, associated with this, but I, but I'd like to think that he saw it and hit him and Giselle had a little, had a little laugh. He pulled a stray hand on you. How unfortunate. Right. I know, dude, come on, Brady. I was in the club first, man. Like, you know, you're supposed to like pay, you know, pay your respects and dues to the ones who were, who, who were there before you. I'm so surprised. I'm you, you're surprised. I will burn my house down for this guy, dude. And he couldn't even respond. Like, come on, dude. Bananas, who was at your house? Because I saw that video and there were like three girls just on their phone scrolling on their phone. Yeah, well, that was one of the things I wanted to wake everyone up. Exactly. I'm like, guys, you're with me. You're missing history. Get off of TikTok. All right. It was my girlfriend. It was her sister. Uh, you know, friends of hers. It was a whole house full of people. The flame listen was not as close as, as it may have looked from that angle. 
Uh, but nonetheless, it was a, uh, it, it was a, it was a pretty awesome experience. The New York, hey man, the New York Post did an article on it. So, I'm gonna be 43 in May, bananas. You're approaching 40. I hit a total midlife crisis at 40. Are you feeling it at all? Yes and no, man. I think uh, what I'm feeling is I don't know if it's a midlife crisis or it is a midlife uh, shift. Listen. I just, I view the world completely differently than I used to. I view myself on television completely differently than I used to. I used to think a few years ago, it's like, I'm going to do challenges until I'm 70 years old, until the, until the wheels fall off. That was always what I said. But I really do feel like I have now hit this, uh, you know, this point in, in, in my life where it's like, once again, I'm almost like hitting this divide in the road. And, 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 I'm, and I feel like I've taken... The challenge has been such an amazing part of my life for so long, dude, 15, 15 years. I mean, it's as long as I can remember, it's been a part of my life. And, and, and now that I've, I've kind of like shifted gears and I'm working on like new projects and, and, you know, I, I didn't do the last season of the challenge and I'm, and I'm going to, you know, I'm taking some time off or I don't know, man, maybe taking a permanent leave, leave of absence that hasn't, uh, the verdict isn't in yet, but that's where I feel like I really do feel like um, there's a lot of, uh, unknowns out there. You know what I mean? Again, I'm, I'm having to look at, at myself in the mirror a lot of days and being like, well, this is the path that you're on now. But then this was kind of like the path that you had chosen for so long. And it's like, you know, what's the new, what's the identity or what's the old identity? So that's what it is. It's for me, it's more like a, uh, it's more like a glow up, I guess. You know what I mean? And I'm, and I'm, uh, and I'm really trying to fit myself into this, into this new category. And in a way, um, recreate myself and, and what I'm capable of doing. And I'm learning all this new stuff. And again, man, with this, this new show I'm doing, it's like, uh, it's almost in a way, not really starting from scratch, but, but, but again, the whole persona and everything that I learned about how to be on reality television and who to be on reality television. Um, I've now had to completely really fine, not even fine tune, but almost break it down and rebuild it from the top. You know what I mean? And um, it's been, it's been quite the struggle and it's, and it's been a test, but I'm really loving, you know, what I'm seeing in the first few episodes of celebrity sleepover that we've, that I've had an opportunity to, to, to screen, even the rough edits have come out amazing. You know, I'm so used to watching myself in the reality television space that when a new episode comes out, it's like, all right, yeah, I've seen this a million times. I know what I'm all about. But I was almost a little bit nervous, man, seeing me in, 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 in this new space and seeing me in a talk show format. And I didn't know what it was going to be like, you know, interacting with, with these celebrities and how, I mean, they've done a million, these people have done a million talk shows and they've been, it's like, am I going, like, I didn't know how they were going to react to me. And I didn't know how they were, how, how I was going to be received a, a, as a talk show host. And I got to say, man, it was, uh, it's been it's been incredible so far. I'm really excited about the episodes we have coming out. We have some really fantastic guests who are coming up here, and I think uh, a lot of people, while they may be sad that they're not seeing me right now on the challenge, I think they're going to be super excited to see uh, me in this new space. And and um, you know all my all my bananas fans out there, same old guy, just uh, just buttoned up a little bit differently, or not, just in PJs. Bananas. Celeb Sleepover is slotted directly after SNL, which I'd imagine is a pretty desirable spot. Excuse my pun here, but are you up for the challenge? Buddy, uh, like I said, I'm always up for a good challenge, all right? Regardless of what that is. And again, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at, 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 at Celeb Sleepover, and I'm, and I'm looking at this new project as, as another challenge, all right? I may not be, you know, on top of a mountain in Argentina uh, eating, you know, cow balls, 
But I am, you know, on my couch in my living room with Tiffany Amber Thiessen eating a Twinkie with a hot dog inside of it, drizzled in uh, canned cheese. So, you know, the environment may have changed, but I think a lot, you know, regardless of where you put me, it's going to be bananas. We're all about finding out how successful people like you continue to elevate no matter what they do in their careers, in their lives. How do you continue to elevate your performance no matter what you're, you're doing something new here? How do you continue to elevate and bring that going forward? I'm never satisfied, man, with, with anything I've, I've ever done. Okay. I'm, I, and I feel like, and I, people are always like, Oh, you're always comparing yourself to Tom Brady. And it's like, well, I, I compare myself to him because I admire a lot of the things that he does. Tom Brady could throw for seven touchdowns, 800 yards, you know, and still be like, ah, but I could have done this a little better. Or I could have done this better. That's how I feel, man. I mean, I've won more money. I've won more challenges. I've been on more seasons. I've made the biggest name essentially on the challenge ever. And I still, when I look back, I'm like, but I wish I would have done this better or I could work on this or this could be a little bit different. And I feel like it's the same with, you know, with hosting now. I mean, we'll finish an episode. We've had, so again, some incredible episodes of Celebrity Sleepover where after, I mean, my team is just like, dude, that was fantastic. Like we were laughing the whole time. It was great. But in my head, I'm like, yeah, but I wish this would have been better. I wish I would have done this better. So, so for me, it's a for me. I think that's what it's always been. It's never settling for anywhere that I've ever been or anything that I've ever had, and never taking what I've accomplished and where I've become for granted. Never forgetting where I'm from, um, and always just staying focused on where I want to go. You know, a lot of people hit that point where they're like, "Okay, now I'm good. I'm I'm satisfied here. Now I can take my foot off the gas pedal." Me, it's like no matter where I am, it's like I push my, my, my foot down harder or I, or I buy a car with, you know, another gear in it. And again, man, it's, you know, I think my, I've never really had a plan. Like I've never been this person that's had like a philosophy on life and exactly where I'm going to go. I've just always believed, man, in putting out good energy, being good to people on the way up because they're, because they'll treat you well on the way back down. Um, and just continuing to put one foot in front of the other. And, and if you do that, man, if you stay positive and you work hard, it's not by chance that things work out, man. I think, I think that, um, that, that, that happens. And I think, you know, as they say, your vibe attracts your tribe. And that's just, you know, kind of just my, been my philosophy. And I don't know, man, maybe the man upstairs is looking out for me, but I like to think that, um, you know, me being who I am and putting that, you know, put, putting that positivity out there pay, pay, comes back in, in, in kind. Who is the Mount Rushmore of the challenge? Oh boy. Yeah. I've gotten this question before. Um, I'd have to say, man, just based on, uh, I mean, myself, obviously, uh, CT is going to be up there. Um, probably Mark Long, the Godfather. I mean, the guy's 50 and he's coming back for hit another season of the challenge all-stars incredible. Um, and probably the Miz man for like everything that, that, that guy has, again, ha has accomplished, you know, maybe not necessarily on the challenge, but again, I mean, what he's been able to take the challenge and, you know, and, and, and turn that into that'd, that'd be it. How much cash have you made in total on the challenge? And how, how heavily taxed is it? Uh, 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 not that I count, but, um, last time I checked, I believe it's like 1, 168 thousand uh, dollars something something like that i don't know i don't know the exact number all i know is that my last win put me back on top uh ashley did have the top spot and i think jordan was second uh but i like to also say it's like dude i was winning cha if challenges back in the day when i was winning were worth a million dollars a piece like they are now it would be it, we'd be in a whole different we'd be in a whole different world man but um 
You know, unfortunately, I had all my wins back in. I always feel bad for like the old school like football players who were like, yeah, my, back in my day, I was getting my contract was a million dollars a year. Now it's like seventy million guaranteed. It's like, you know, are you I, gonna get some cash over to Sarah Rice eventually or now? Uh, that's a hard no, my friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that ship sailed long ago. I did send her a, a, an Applebee's gift card though. Um, with, 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 with some cash on it. So hopefully that went to good use, but, uh, but no, man, listen, all is fair in love, war and challenges. Arthur, you should know this. Bananas. You are the man. Congrats on the new show, my man. And continue to take over the hosting world. I love this for you, man. Hey brother. I appreciate it, man. Likewise, raising tides, raise all ships. I love it. Good luck, right. brother. And thanks, man. Take care. All right, folks, that was my buddy and celebrity sleepover host, Johnny Bananas. As you heard us talk about in the interview, make sure to watch Celebrity Sleepover on Saturdays directly after SNL. That means this Saturday because it is Thursday. Johnny's doing an incredible job. Anytime you can get Kelly Kapowski for a Celebrity Sleepover, Matt, I think you and I would both admit, huge win. Huge win. And I think you said at the top of this, does he have six rings or seven? He's seven, baby. He's the Tom. He's the Tom Brady of MTV. He even messaged Brady. Yo, Tom, get back to bananas. Don't be a diva. Get back to bananas. He's in the club. Wow. Amazing. The thing that I really love about bananas is he really understands at this moment that it's time to grow both personally and professionally. And I think people who watch this interview are going to have such a different feel for who Bananas was versus who Bananas is becoming. And that's in terms of what you and I do. We love showing that other side, the true endless hustle to what it means to be building your brand. And I think people hopefully really got that from this interview. Agreed. And now it's plug time. Matt, next Tuesday, we have a monster episode. We have former Vampire Diaries stars, Ian Summerholder and Paul Wesley, who have more followers on social media than most countries have population which is pretty freaking cool and what i really love with this interview is they've started a bourbon brand called brothers bond you unfortunately were traveling during this interview so i decided to go drink my face off with these two guys for half an hour and we had an absolute freaking blast and our second guest is nick vile everyone knows nick former bachelor turned successful podcaster and we just explored his trek from bachelor to successful podcaster i mean we got the whole scoop from nick in addition to dating his longtime celebrity crush january jones and we talk all about that so i don't want to spend too much time on that but banger of an episode next tuesday ian and paul followed by nick vile make sure to tune in matt give them the plugs yeah, already. I'm excited to listen to these, uh, the Ian and uh, Paul as a fan, because I wasn't here and it's good to see you slur your words when you had a few too many. So I'm, I'm especially looking forward to that. Bro, uh, I was <laughs> crushed. Uh, let's plug away. All right. Subscribe to Endless Hustle wherever you listen to podcasts. You can go on Bro Bible's YouTube channel, listen to them there, and you can keep up with the latest in sports, entertainment, and lifestyle on Bro Bible's website. We also have social media handles at Bro Bible, Twitter, and Instagram, and our Endless Hustle show at endless double underscore hustle on twitter and at endless hustle pod on instagram my personal is at mr cohan k-e-o-h-a-n and my friend arthur's is 
I'm at ArthurCade on Twitter, at It's Me ArthurCade on Instagram. And as mentioned, incredible episode next Tuesday, Ian Summerholder and Paul Wesley, and then Nick Vile. We'll see y'all then. Peace.